0: That clap doesn't really line up with my audio. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? It's like a second off, maybe. Maybe like 1.5 seconds. Okay. But yeah. We're back, everybody. It's been a while. Oh my God. How long has it been? Two weeks, I think. At least. Two weeks? What? I, I'm pretty
1: sure. Maybe even
0: more. Like two and a half. Okay. Because I was back for that one week and I did an episode on your podcast.
1: Yes. And yes. we
0: did a record. Oh yeah, you're right. That week and then last week. Yeah. Yeah. So for the few listeners out there, maybe like one or two, <laughs> you're asking, <laughs> Yeah, where you guys been? Uh so I came home for spring break on the week two weeks ago. Uh I was just with family. I was hanging out with Parth and yep. some other friends. And then last week I got really busy on my end as they decided to uh or my university decided to have a bunch of midterms last week. So yeah. there was that going for me. And, you know, ever since, um,
1: we start now. So How you doing, Parth? How's it going? Oh man, doing well. Doing well. You, you've been uh, busy. You've been just, real busy. It just on the computer. All. I actually, actually, I didn't tell you this. I ordered a new computer. My uh, laptop. Uh, no, actually, a desktop. Um, oh, my, getting advanced, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, getting a little bit better. You know, just uh, my little b- <laughs> old laptop sure. has been somewhat slowing down. Um, maybe it's due to the video editing, but not not I don't think that's too much of the reason. But I thought it was about time that I upgraded because it's been I think seven years almost or six and a half okay. years since I've had this one and it's slowly just it's it, you know, on the Mac they have like this spinning beach ball of death. That's what they call it. <laughs> so and the second that starts to appear too much, you know that your laptop's slowly starting to break down. So okay. uh this time I thought I'd go with the desktop because uh it's cheaper it's bigger uh the screen's better the optics are you know the the specs are a little bit better optics Um, yeah i think it's a
0: memory issue to be honest if you ask me personally yeah probably Um, you have a lot of storage on your laptop right because you have uh episodes from candid chit chats
1: and you have episodes from this podcast as well right so i think that chunks up a lot of memory uh, it, it does but here's the thing so I've, I've been deleting all that so my storage is relatively free I only have 256 gigabytes on my laptop and it's um, like total space and I've actually deleted most of the stuff and I've, I keep deleting it after I upload it onto YouTube so it, or, or on uh, Anchor so it's pretty much clear that wasn't even I think the reason because I have 150 gigabytes free <laughs> at all okay. times Pretty much at all times. Huh. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Quick question. Do, do you have a backup for our episodes?
0: Because <laughs> you said you deleted them after uh, you upload them. I don't. I don't. You don't? No. Okay. So I, I assume I think YouTube's the not going to crash
1: that? or Anchor's not going to crash. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope not <laughs> and delete the video. That is
0: true. Yeah. I mean, hopefully not.
1: I mean, just to have a backup plan in the if future. We, if we do, then uh, I mean, I can, I can always download them from YouTube again. That's an option. Um, And then we can store them on an external hard drive, uh, but we would have to have a few different external hard drives, you know? and just a few. Yeah. That's a good idea. Definitely, yeah.
0: But yeah, so today, folks, for the Odyssey Report, uh, we've been kind of slacking it. We don't know what exactly is going on recently, but we'll just name off a few things that we recently noticed. Yeah. Uh, So I'll start. Recently, there's been a lot of dirt on Joe Biden, and a lot of YouTubers already covered this. Um, yeah figures out Joe Biden's a little touchy, and he's a little, uh, a little intimate uh, with a lot of people in general, mm-hmm. mainly toward uh, children, I think. Wasn't that the argument? Yeah, and girls. Um, and girls. Women. Um, yeah.
1: So, you know, they, they find these clips of... Biden putting his hands on their shoulders from the back. And then sometimes in some cases, he'll come up close to their ear and whisper things into their ear, maybe plant a kiss on the top of their like their head. Um, And you can see in specific clips that the girl is kind of, you know, or the woman is kind of like freaked out. Yeah, they're really uncomfortable. You can just tell by their body language, their facial expressions, they're kind of pulling away. They're like, yeah, you know, I know you're the vice president, but that's a little bit too much, you know. So, yeah, he was the vice president for 8 years. Yeah, yeah. Kind of interesting, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you ask me personally about what's going on with his behavior, mm. I think due to the recent events of of him losing his son, mm-hmm. I think he's on some kind of medication. Okay? Oh, so with that really? medication, I think Yeah, I think that's making him somewhat different in respect to his behavior. And I'm pretty sure... He's an old guy, right? He's like, what, 70-something? So I'm pretty sure he's taking other kinds of medication as well. Yeah. When I initially saw this, I thought, okay, it's just a creepy old guy, or it's just your regular grandpa getting touchy, right? I mean, he has a boring job. He doesn't really do much. So he's just having fun with it. But digging down deeper, I think it's honestly... It's him coping with... You know, loss of a family member. On top right. of that, medication he's taking. So, and old age, probably. I mean, I'm pretty sure his mind is going a little uh, off the rails here and there. Yeah. It's not as sharp as it
1: used to be, is what I'm trying to say. Interesting. That's my uh, reasoning. Is it for sure, sh- like, you know for sure that he's on medication for the su- pretty death pretty of the I'm pretty sure sun? he is. Okay. But,
0: um, for the death of the son, I'm not too sure, to be honest. Okay, but uh, some sort of medication. Some sort of medication, I would believe. Uh, That's interesting, though. If we could fact check that, that'd be great.
1: But what do you think? Uh, So I think it could be, this is just my interpretation of it. I can't say for sure, but I think part of it is that, you know, they say charismatic individuals, they touch people um, in a friendly way often. Um, They break that touch barrier and they're comfortable doing it. But in certain cases, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of people and there's a lot of clips where Biden, you know, will touch uh, people or put, you know, his hands on their shoulders and they won't react in a bad way. They'll in fact, they'll be like, wow, this guy's like, you know, he's very he's it's kind of like a warmth kind of a thing, you know. I mean, if he put his hands on my shoulders, I know he's not going to plant a kiss on my head for sure. I'm a guy, right? So, right. um, But if he put his hands on my shoulders from the back, (laughs) it's almost kind of like endearing, you know? It's like, hey, good job, man. Like, it's like a pat on the back, you know? And I think, I think it's, it depends on the context, right? It depends on the gender of the person, um, you know, assuming the gender, (laughs) Uh, but so, besides yeah, that... You had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> I, did just, I just had to. You freaking i, had to no, I was kidding. <laughs> Continue. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's just... I looked at it as a charismatic trait. Now, politics is a very dirty game, and if... Very dirty. You very want nasty. to, you know, plant dirt or um, bring to light the bad characteristics of your opponent what you're going to do is you're going to twist and create a narrative out of whatever clips you can find, right? So, you know, they'll they'll exaggerate this this touching as one little thing to the max. And I think, you know, part of that part of that comes from the fact that Biden is running first or, or probably has the best shot of winning from the Democrat you know, the democratic party. Um, so the Republicans are going to have to target him big time. You know, um, I don't think they're going to have to work too much on Sanders because they'll just call him a socialist and people will be afraid of him. So, but when it comes to Biden, like the the guy has, is running the best in the polls, that sort of thing, you know, and people are expecting him to go up against Trump in the final round. So they're going to have to start pulling dirt on him some way, Or, you know, out of nowhere. So, in my opinion... It's a tactic. Yeah, it's a tactic, right? Like, I think think it's just a charismatic trait that he's trying to portray and give across, but, I mean, they're going to misinterpret that, you know? Because they found a couple clips of uncomfortable girls.
0: A couple of weird clips, right? And it's... The way they portray it on YouTube itself, it's very disturbing. Like, they have every cinematic... uh, You know, trick in the book, you know, it's music, dark lighting, music, it's like (laughs) zooms in on the touching and And it's like so precise, right? It's kind of funny. It's like, okay, we know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. The timing of these videos. Yeah. We all know what's going on. Mm -hmm. No surprise how they're pulling up this dirt uh, now because it's so, timing's everything when it comes to politics and it's so evident that that's the case. Especially when it comes to
1: the primaries, or before the primaries? Are we at the primaries? (laughs) Uh, I think the primaries will start this summertime, or fall, fall, early fall. Perfect timing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The debates and everything. The debates and
0: everything. Jeez. It's going to be kind of interesting this time around. There's going to be a lot more people involved politically, a lot more young people. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's going to happen?
1: But... Uh, yeah. If I had to guess you would bet on Trump. I, I'm gonna put I'm gonna place my bet on Trump, but I'm not gonna say that my bet is going to stay on Trump for sure because it could change. I think it depends on how the debates really go and how the election goes. But if as of right now I had to place a bet it would be on Trump. Yeah, reasonable because it's
0: the way he won pre- the previous election. We Mm -hmm. talked about this many, many, many times. And, (laughs) you know, it's like a genius at work of how he just played everybody, the media and the the
1: Democrats and the Republicans. So, is it going to be the same stunts? Who knows? Unless Biden's been really studying him for the past, you know, four years and really developing strategies to combat that, I don't think he's going to... He has to, right? Like, if he's realistically going to be up against Trump, the guy has to... Um, Study him you know And it's funny because yeah. th- A few years ago or a couple years ago Biden said something about Trump About how he would if they were in school Together he would take him to the backyard Back of the schoolyard or something And beat the shit out of him And then Trump uh, responds with like You shouldn't threaten people Biden um, We all know who would have really won Or something like that it's just some trash talking you know Like it's like entertaining I guess If politicians do it But um and that's how you get attention, right? The media wants to focus on them. It's like look at these guys shit talking each other, like they're politicians yet they're playing dirty or whatever. But uh as you know, the media puts focus and attention on them, they just get more points.
0: Yeah, that's a good point
1: because what comes to
0: mind when I think of that is talk show, late talk show, talk okay. um, shows in general. So you have uh you know, Stephen Colbert on the Tonight Show. No, no, on the Late Show the tonight show is Jimmy Fallon, yeah. And there's Jimmy Kimball, uh, James Corden, and there's Conan. All of these shows, these late night shows, they love just amplifying politic issues and politic drama. Mm-hmm. And I would know because I used to watch a lot of that, uh, back mm-hmm. before the previous election, it was just a uh, habit I had of just watching these shows because they were funny. Uh, They had, you know, a lot of stars on. They had celebrities that you could, you know, uh, get excited for when they actually talked to the host. And the host is very charismatic. It's very charming. It's a, you know, it's basically just a comedy show. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people, honestly, they look to those shows for political advice, for political confirmation. Yeah. That's a scary thought. It, it's I know you, sad. You don't have that experience, do you? No, uh, I don't really Because you watch don't watch them. those shows. Yeah. I've
1: seen... Actually, recently I saw a clip, and it was a famous clip of... Uh, do you know who Sam Harris is? Yep. So Sam Harris, uh, it was some clip of him talking about Islam and how it's not necessarily the most liberal religion. And then yet, the irony of that is that the left will say... Things like, oh, you're Islamophobic for saying that. But then there's literally been accountances of, you know, like gay people being stoned to death and women's rights being oppressed in certain Muslim countries where they practice something called Sharia law. And just so so that so Sam Harris was talking about this on I think it was um, with what's the guy who's the Democrat with the long white hair uh, white dude um, on the show, I think it was Jimmy, not Jimmy Fallon, not even Jimmy Campbell, uh, actually. He has his own show, his own late night show? He has his own show, but I forgot his name. He's uh, one of the famous um, ones. Seth Myers? No. Oh, maybe. No, no, probably not Seth no? Myers. Okay. But anyways, yeah, some dude, some dude. Um, some dude. Uh, so it was him and then Ben Affleck, the actor, right? Oh, yeah. So Ben Affleck and then like two other dudes, two other random guys versus Sam Harris and the host of the show. I forgot his name. So they were talking about Islamophobia and everything, right? And Ben Affleck is a hard, hard liberal. And so, and he loses his shit, dude. Sam Harris, I think is a Democrat actually also, but he's, he's, you know, saying that this certain part of the thing is just wrong. Like you can't say that you know we're islamophobic for calling out islam for its religion for you know the the, fa- the fallacies of the of the you know the religion and whatever so and actually oh, the bill marr bill marr bill bad. marr yes that's him bill go. marr so um in this in, in this episode we see that ben affleck loses his shit and in my opinion it's a total act now I, I the reason I think this is because Ben Affleck is an actor right and as an actor in Hollywood Hollywood they know is leftist is hell they're not gonna and, and the organization and the structure of um, of Hollywood is very leftist so to fit in to make sure that you're not going to get kicked out of movies and things like that you have to almost kind of put on the show that you're liberal I guess um and this guy just went off on how Sam Harris is this Islamophobic guy and whatever. And you can go to the comment section of that video and see how like people are trash talking Ben actually. They're like, you cannot argue with a dumbass, you know, <laughs> like you cannot convince him. Remember that quote that I sent you about how it takes, uh, it's hard to convince a genius, but it's impossible to convince a moron. So true. And, and that's what, that's where I actually got the quote from. So it was from the comment section of that video. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, something like seems that, that, I think.
0: This talk happened in 2014, October-ish. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that, actually. I don't know a lot about Sam Harris, to be honest. I know he exists, and I know that he's talked to Jordan Peterson. Okay, And yeah. what I also know is that he is a hardcore atheist, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. He's, so, debated, uh, he's debated. He's uh, debated Peterson on, I think, religion, and it was freedom. It was basically uh, free will. The whole debate of free will versus, you know, determinism. Doesn't he uh, say we don't have free
0: will or something like that?
1: Yes, and Jordan Peterson says yes, we do have free will. Um, and they just they they hour. I think they argue for like over an hour on just what the meaning of truth is, and they're like ironing out all these assumptions and whatever. But. They have like some of the greatest debates, apparently.
0: Okay. Because initially, that's a good topic to get into, actually. Let's get into that. So free will. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why not? That's the idea, right? Uh, Initially, I would think in most cases, we don't have as much free will as we would like to. Mm -hmm. Reasoning being that we're part of institutions at different part of our lives, right? So Mm -hmm. growing up, we're part of the the academic institution right so uh, grades kindergarten to 12 we're part of that institution and then we're part of a different institution as we level up into college and then university we're part of that institution and then we travel and we transition into another institution which is the workforce you know the company or Mm. maybe you're starting your own uh, business something like that okay I think the free will is constantly constrained at different parts of an individual's life Okay. It could amp, It could be. It could grow the
1: amount of free will, or it could. It could or it could shrink. Okay, I agree with that actually. Okay, that's my Not, initial thought. Okay. Okay, uh, I definitely agree with the end. What you said there about uh, free will can actually increase um, or decrease depending upon your certain circumstances, right? And who you are as an individual. Um, so my thought process on this goes something kind of like this. I think. If, if there's a spectrum of how much free will we have versus how much of our life is determined, I, I want to believe that I lie more on the free will side. Uh, and I want to believe that. Now, I, I mean, obviously, we can go into a whole debate about this. But I say if, and I lean heavy on that side, not just a little bit. I lean very heavily on that side. Now, I'm not saying I'm What's completely that? on the free will side. Now, I'm not, I'm not, like, all the way to the free will side because there's obviously, there are factors that are outside of our, you know, um, I guess our control, control. Um, and things like, you know, what family you're born into, what time period you're born into, um, where you're born, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And I think that it's... The And I think those things will influence the personality of the individual because society, you know, so, social values will be affecting that person. Uh, their family values and their family upbringing will will influence that person. Um, and what else was the last thing? Oh, the time period. I said time period already, right? But right. certain things like that. So, so they're outside factors. But I think overall, there are still ways to break out of that that sort of conditioning, uh, at least to a certain degree, and to start to make choices of your own um, will, I guess. And so things like, if I just chose up to, if I just chose, let's say, to stop recording this podcast right now, get up and shut off my laptop, I can do so. I won't do so, but if I wanted to, I probably could, right? That's free will. Um, If I wanted to get some water right now, I can go do that. Um, the fact that I can influence my surroundings by taking certain actions, I think that gives me free will to influence uh, my own life. You know the direction of my own life, um, uh, and that kind of ties into power too. We talked about that. You know the the direction at which you. If I think more powerful individuals, when they have direction over the control of their or control over the direction of their life, they have more free will they lie more on the free will end of that spectrum because you know they are consistently making things happen in their life now i know some people will argue that well how do you know that that person wasn't just born into a family that raised him to think that way and then therefore he becomes that way right but okay um and i've actually gotten i guess like you know like Uh, Let's say you're born into a family where you have a great father figure in the household and you're always, always motivated and supported by your parents. Huh?
0: Yeah, that's a little different. I was thinking of like cults, (laughs) to be honest. Oh, okay. So what do you mean like cults? In terms of free will. So I think when it comes to that brainwash uh, stigma, when Mm. it comes to... Those types of groups, I, th- I think most religions actually uh, do this too. To be honest, uh-huh. is they pretty much control your idea of free will. Okay. They clearly define what is good and what is bad, what's a sin and what's a virtue. So right, it's, it's like that in a multiple cults, right? And it's it's you have to live a certain way. You cannot live this other way, or else you're going to go to hell, or else you're not living like a moral human being. Mm -hmm. So, those specific institutions really have their own idea of free will. And by that definition, they are taking free will away from other people. Right, right. They're conditioning
1: them in a certain way.
0: Yeah, there's that idea. Mm. And I think to a degree, we all have that conditioning in our lives uh, through influence uh, from certain individuals, uh, like father figures, like you said, or mother figures, or friends, family, right. uh, co workers. I mean, I'm pretty sure we have a big influence from, you know, major figureheads like Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, yeah, uh, Jason Capital. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the idea of, you know, I trust this person and I trust his way of living. So, mm. um, My sense of free will will alter. You know what I mean? Like it will change.
1: Yeah You choose to sort of follow the values that those people bring to the table because You kind of like those values. Is that what you're trying to say? Mm -hmm. I yeah, pretty much It's funny that you bring that up Jason Capital. He just recently uploaded a video uh, talking about Benjamin Franklin and he read through like his autobiography um, and So apparently Benjamin Franklin wrote out 13 virtues for himself um, at an early age and vowed to practice those 13 virtues. And so basically it it went something like this, like, you know, he didn't like the fact that virtues were being thrown at him left and right and he didn't know how to live his life and he wanted to choose the way he lived his own life and the values and at which, you know, he was going to live his life by. I guess, and so he wanted to execute on certain certain things that were just important to him, and he created a schedule for himself where every single day he would practice one of those virtues and make sure to check it off his schedule. And, you know, things like frugality, um, I think his hum- humility was one of them, uh, just things like that, but he wrote out 13 virtues for himself and made sure to follow his own virtues versus what society will tell him versus what uh, his friends or family will tell him. And he just lived life on his own terms, that sort of thing, you know? And uh, I guess he was, you know, one of the most free-willed individuals I would like to assume. Right. Yeah.
0: I think back in the day, a lot of technology wasn't applicable. So I would argue that their sense of free will is very different from our sense of free will. Okay. So they didn't have a lot of opportunities as much. Compared to mm-hmm. today. So communication was very limited back then. Uh, what else? Um, the sense of opportunity was very different back then. I mean, mm-hmm. it, in early America, a lot of people had a, a, a free sense, a new sense of free will, right? Because it was brand new America. They came from, you know, uh, they broke away from England. They started the 13 colonies. They had a great manifestation where they pretty much populated the entire northern... Or not northern, but United States in general. Like Louisiana, and then from the left to the mm-hmm. west. Right. That's a, a different sense of... That was their free will, essentially, right? Right, so, their, so you're their, saying
1: the time period affects that?
0: Yeah. So, essentially, agreeing with your, your argument, the time period does affect... Right, yeah. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Going to today's life, today's mm-hmm. life, <laughs> uh, Contemporary. present day, yeah, compared to ourselves, do you think you have a lot of free will?
1: I like to think so. Um, I know that I have more free will now than I used to, let's say, just two, three years ago, and even more, And two or three years ago, and beyond that, so um I, th- I would say, yeah, and I, I think my free will is increasing as, as time goes by, Mo- mainly because I feel like I'm seeing more of this code in the matrix, so to speak, of society and the values that it sort of forces upon you in a very subtle way, um, sometimes not so subtle, <laughs> but okay in a, in a subtle way. And beyond that, I think, and maybe it's just the way that I was raised. I don't know. That's just what it is. But I, I feel like... There are a lot of opportunities for me. There are solutions everywhere to all of the problems that I have. And I go looking for the solutions. And I think that stems from the base, the foundation is that I think I have free will to control the direction of my life wherever I want to go or however I want things to sort of turn out. Now, I can't say I have 100% free will because I don't think that's true for anyone, um, but, I would say I, I feel particularly recently that I have more free will than I thought I did. What about okay. you? Yeah, that's interesting. Um,
0: I think in retrospect, uh, at my point in time right now, uh, mm-hmm. I'm giving up a portion of my free will so I can have a lot more free will in the future. So I'm sacrificing okay. you know, present day... Uh, t- free wills, essentially, to, mm-hmm. to pretty much build for the future. What do I mean by this? Like like well, short-term pleasure? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. So, you know, I'm very locked in on getting my degree and, you know, sacrificing a lot of weekends and sacrificing a lot of other potential um, opportunities, I guess, that I don't know that existed yet. Uh, I'm pretty much looking toward the future so that when I get my degree and when I get a stable job I'll be able to do a lot more with myself because I'll be financially stable I'll be disciplined and at the same time I'll have uh, more time yeah in some aspects of my life mm-hmm. um, but in terms of free will right now I would say yeah I do definitely have a lot more free will than I do now than when I was back home mm. and I think ultimately when it comes to family and everyone can relate to this uh, your sense of free will is somewhat restricted when uh, you're at home? when you're at home right and I yeah. think because you have family to, to live with and you have family to deal with and mm-hmm. you know not only that you're doing things Maybe most people are working and it's a lot of constraint that they Uh, They didn't put themselves in there. It's just what kind of happened. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I had Mm. to get a job or, you know, I had to support the family or uh, I had to do this, I had to do that. And uh, a lot of people are in that mentality where they're going day by day by saying, oh, I have to do this. You know, this is my routine. I got to do this. And people tend to uh, get locked in this uh, systematic uh, routine. From day-to-day life, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, or even most college students, you know, they're waiting for the next test, waiting for the next test, you know, they're waiting for the end of the semester. Okay, one semester down, let's go to the next semester. And that kind of mentality, it's, uh, is it free will? That's interesting. I'm not too sure. I think- Because they kind of lock themselves in a routine. Because I pretty much- I've, I've done that before where like I'm locked in a routine and you know, I don't take, uh, I don't really diverge from that routine sometimes. Okay. Kind of like locked in, uh, do my same, do the same thing like every day, go to the gym in the morning, come home, go to class, come home, eat clean.
1: It's, it's kind of like a robotic sense of feeling. But so, so the question I think becomes, do you choose to do that?
0: I think, yeah, ultimately, I choose to do that. And then my body automatically became accustomed to this type of uh, routine, this type of choice. Okay. And I think most people are malleable in that sense where they can put themselves in a routine based uh, habit, uh, day to day life or routine. That they constrain themselves toward a goal, which is a good thing. They orient themselves. And at the same time, they're kind of brushing off other opportunities or other free will choices to the side. Yeah. I think that is what most people do throughout their life. So they they focus on certain things at certain points of their life. So let's take you for example. When you didn't get gradu- when you didn't get accepted into UCLA, you went mm-hmm. to community college. You right. said, okay, I'm going to spend, I think it was a year uh, mm-hmm. at community college. I'm going to get the grades I need. I'm going to get all the classes I need. I'm going to transfer to UCLA, the school I wanted to go to. You mm-hmm. ended up doing that. When you were through community college, I think in a sense, you restricted yourself to other free will choices. Uh, what do I mean by that? So, for example, you were part of our social club, which is where we met the honors yeah. ambassadors. You were quite active, mm-hmm. and I think what you did there was you wanted to build your resume or you wanted to build your portfolio. That yeah, portfolio. Yes. Uh, in respect to transferring to the UCLA, uh, I think that helped. Mm-hmm. But you stuck with honors ambassadors.
1: Uh, for the most part yeah you didn't go
0: with yeah. others you didn't go with other clubs
1: I, I did but I didn't like those other clubs I, I went okay. with a club AFM remember yeah yeah I was gonna make that connection
0: <laughs> oh okay okay uh, so you just, you decided to stick with uh, the honors ambassadors exclusively yeah and I think in, in that retrospect you you know you can find your window into this social club hmm That's what I was trying to get at. And then once you went through community college, you transferred. And then once you you were in UCLA, um, you ended up doing everything you can in terms of opportunities. Uh, You were part of certain clubs. um, I think one of them being like the Republican club or something like that. Yeah. And then um, real estate something. Yeah. Um, So you're doing things here, left and right, up and down, and ended up getting the degree. Uh, But you didn't party all the time. Not as much as I did in community college. Okay. So there was a reason for that, right? Mm-hmm. So you gave up that sense of
1: free will to pursue something else. Um, okay, interesting. So, but but here's the thing. I think, so I would say I chose to do those things. And if I can choose to do that, don't you think, like, wouldn't you say that's free will? You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, if, yeah, unless I I unless do. I unless I said unless I had no choice. Like if I wanted to party, but I had no choice to. Um, well, I did want to party. I guess I guess in that sense, yeah. I, I give up the opportunity for sure, and giving up the opportunity, I guess in in a sense, would mean uh, I didn't have the choice to go do that, and because of la- that lack of that choice, I don't have free will. Right. Okay.
2: Hmm.
0: I remember when you came back every weekend. I think it was every weekend, most weekends uh, from UCLA. uh, We would hang out and you would constantly talk about like the latest social event that you went to or the latest girl you were talking to. And you were just like dissecting (laughs) every social situation. You were really applying everything about the the rational male, Jason Capital, you know, seminars and just Mm -hmm. really analyzing everything. Mm -hmm. So. Um, in that retrospect, you had the free will to do that, and uh, you chose to do that with your time when you were over there. Uh, so you, you became social, and you wanted to know the ins and outs of of you know game, and you know communicating in respect to uh, you know social dynamics and how things actually work when it comes to uh. Enters, yeah, and, um, things like that. The dynamics between like a male and a female, in that retrospect. Um, mm. Where was it going with this? Um, Free will. You you chose to do that.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: um, I don't know. I I'm not you. I don't really know the reason entirely why. Mm-hmm. But you chose to do it. That's the main point. Mm-hmm. And you know, during that time, you didn't choose to do anything else. Like you didn't choose to, uh any other thing you didn't do. <laughs> Essentially right. what I'm trying to say.
1: Uh, opportunity costs, right? Like I, I gave up all the other opportunities that I could have per- pursued, I guess.
0: Right. So during that time you prioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, what does that mean? Uh, the free will in respect to that, did you, I think you combined, or confined your free will, like
1: you constrained it in a way. hmm Okay, maybe interesting just no. I, I, I would say I think it depends <laughs> on the person we're talking about, right? because if the person consciously chooses to do something, they're automatically going to cut off all the other options, right. That's that's you being decisive about you know what you want, what you kind of want to do. Um, so if if a person chooses to do something consciously, I think that's free will if a person has to do something and they do it unconsciously, if they don't really think about like, you know, why are they doing, why are they really doing this? What is, what is their outcome? What is the outcome that they're seeking? What are they seeking to learn or, uh, you know, sort of make a reality? What are they, what are what skills are they trying to acquire? If they're unconsciously doing something, I think that is not free will but if they're consciously making a choice to do something and they know what their outcome is, they know what they're trying to do and whatever, if, I mean, if you choose to do anything in life, you like, you're going to have to cut off opportunities, right? Like you you choose the, the root of the word decide it's, it's kind of like decision and incision, right? Like you have to cut, it means to cut off all uh, other options. Um, People think, I think it decide means to choose something. It actually means to cut off other options. So, if I choose consciously to do something, if I wanted to do that, then I would say I have free will. But if I didn't want to do that or if I'm not consciously choosing to do that, whatever I'm doing, I think that shows that I don't have free will. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's interesting because I think...
0: I just thought of this now. Uh, Mm. People who are addicted to substances
1: or just have addictions in general, would you say
0: they have the free will?
1: I would say they have the ability to have free will but currently it's very difficult to put into practice because at the at the at the point at which they have the addiction and they can't control that addiction they don't have free will because their brain their the chemicals i guess are just um they're not allowing you to i guess uh to really make a, a proper decision or the right decision. But I think right. they do have the ability to turn that around slowly but surely. Um, and right. it takes time. It takes the proper methods. It takes proper conditioning. It takes proper you know work and effort to create new habit patterns in your brain. But um, over time, I think you can change that bad habit or that addiction and get rid of it. Um, but, and, and as a result of you changing that bad habit or, or cutting off those bad habits, I think you do have free will, but at the current moment, you may not have as much free will because you're not in control. You don't consciously make the decision that you actually want to, you know, engage in your addiction and know that you can stop at any point that you want. You don't have that power. You just go through it. You know, it's like, uh, let's say people who do drugs or, uh, alcohol they drink alcohol uh, if they can't stop their their drinking if you know they don't consciously decide like i'm gonna have three drinks and that's it and they actually stick through that they have free will if they can't if they lose control over it it's like you have less free will in my opinion
0: yeah it's yeah. uh that's a complicated subject when it comes to addiction because
1: yeah no.
0: their free will if i think most people don't Realize that they have that free will. So when it comes to the addiction itself, that self-destructive behavior is such a habit that their body ultimately takes over. Mm-hmm. And I can't really relate because I've never had a, you know an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction. Yeah. But you know, it's a very you know, uh, picky topic. It's a very uh, controversial issue yeah because like what's the cure is it rehab um do we criminalize these people yeah it's kind of a debate still
1: when i think about addiction and the whole controversial issue about it i think a lot of people so so it's basically the two camps are some people think like dude you know whatever addiction that these people have fallen into it's completely their fault you know that's one side of the camp that's one camp of thinkers right The other side thinks, no, you can't say that it's completely their fault. You know, their environment may have, you know, uh, induced them. Their condition may have uh, sort of propelled them to engage in this in drug, uh, I guess, uh, consumption or whatever. Um, And once they start, it's nearly impossible to stop because your brain gets addicted to all like, you know, the increased dopamine levels and that sort of thing. Right. So I think there's like those are the two camps uh, one says sort of one is more deterministic and another one's a little bit more free will, you know, saying that you have more control over that. So whose fault is it really, right? Um, I would say I still lie on the side of more of the free will thinkers uh, because I think there are certain steps that the person can take to get rid of that addiction. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight and you have to be realistic about it and pragmatic about it, but I think you can do it. Um, and there's a lot of solutions, right? Like if you were taking a realistic route to that, you can do it. Um, getting rid of a bad habit, it's been done. Uh, there's, there's steps you can take essentially. Yeah. And
0: it's, it's kind of a sad topic to talk about when it comes to addiction. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, where was I going with this? People who are addicted generally would you say that they put themselves in the situation? Like they had the free will in the beginning to... Engage or not engage? Yeah, pretty much, right? So it's that initial, you know, that first puff or that first drink,
1: right? It's yeah. Like, oh,
0: if you didn't do that,
1: then you wouldn't be here. Um, yeah. So I, I think yes and no. I think it depends on the situation really in the person. Um, right. But overall... If you asked me I definitely would say yes for the most part yes there are certain cases where maybe they didn't have uh, too much of a choice but I'd say at the end of the day yes it was still your choice regardless of the environment regardless of you know whatever it is peer pressure this or that um, I guess you know by human nature we are kind of you know Propelled to fit into a group, you know, it was Law 14 of human nature. I mean, in, in Robert Greene's book, right? Like you want to, you have to resist. Yeah, you have to resist the pull of the group, right? Because it's natural for you to want to fit into a group, and you'll go to certain lengths to fit in. and that may include, you know, snorting cocaine or drinking alcohol or whatever it is. Um, but now I think the point at which it becomes dangerous is you have to think ahead into the future, you have to you have to ask yourself, do I really have self control over, you know, myself? Can I really stop drinking? Can I really, uh, you know, if I really wanted to, can I get rid of this addiction? And I would say yes, people do have the choice, you know, because people at the end of the day choose what kind of person they want to be, you know, their self image is ultimately determined by them. Now, there are factors that will influence that on the outside, but strong-willed individuals typically will be able to resist that influence um, and make decisions for themselves. Um, and I hate to put it that way, but, you know, I think more of the weak-willed people will fall into the, the whole group dynamic without wanting to. Like, they get peer pressure very easily.
0: I think social media is a great example of that or a great manifestation of that type of uh, idea. Yeah. So you were saying like the weak willed and, and the people who are easily influenced. I would argue that 95% or maybe 80, to be generous, 80% yeah. of individuals on social media are that kind of individual exactly where yeah, they have this sense of uh, FOMO, right? And they have this sense oh, yeah. of, you know, wanting to fit in and they have the sense of, you know, being easily influenced so they're constantly on social media they're constantly trying to stay relevant and that kind of mindset it's a sense of loss of free will you know what I mean
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm if they're uh, considered like uh, examples I think I mean I'm not gonna give per I'm not gonna give examples examples but you know I'm sure people even the listeners can think of someone when they scroll through social media and um, When they find certain individuals who will post on the daily, you know, selfies or, um, you know, pictures uh, or like every other day will post just pictures of themselves and they're always, always, always either scrolling through social media when they don't even want to be, against their conscious will. If you are consciously making the decision to go on social media and scroll through, that's fine. Like, you made that decision. But the point at which I think, at least in my opinion, it doesn't become fine is where you're unconscious about it. Like, you wake up in the morning and you just, without thinking, you grab your phone. It's a habit. You The first thing you click is, like, Instagram or Facebook. And you're scrolling through that aimlessly without really even thinking about it. You know, it's just like a habit, and I think that's where it's it's dangerous because you're unconscious about the influence it has over you. Um, but I think the the people who either can stay away from it or use it to their advantage consciously, that is where you want to be. You know, right? Uh, <laughs> that's just my opinion on it, at least.
0: But they had the free will to do that, so they decided that they had this freedom to engage in the social media itself. So they said. Well, I had this deep desire to feel a part of something. I had this deep desire to feel mm-hmm. relevant and I had this deep desire to feel closer to my friends, right? Because mm-hmm. most, most of social media, it's being with clicks, right? It's being with a social group. It's, it's staying connected to uh, that group of friends. friends. right Yeah, a group of friends. Mm-hmm. So there's this constant game being played on social uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're always checking the individuals or you're checking your friends, see what they're doing, what are they up to, how come they didn't invite me, what's going on here. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, it's everyone becomes a spy. Everyone can become their own spy. Everyone can can become their own uh, PR agent on Instagram, right? So you Mm -hmm. have all the models, you have all the the teens who are trying to strive and get all the fame. You know, the, the climbers that go to cities and they climb like the highest skyscrapers and they show everyone that they're doing it Mm. it's uh they chose to do that yes so that sense of free will there's nothing wrong with that you have the freedom to do that but i think when they're so deep into social media they end up losing the free will that they initially had you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah like yeah exactly i think again like what i think it is is The second you lose your free will is when you find yourself unconsciously on it or unconsciously like thinking when you're doing something, oh, I can't wait till I post this on social media so that people can, you know, see how uh, great my life is, you know, or that sort of thing. If they're not doing it in the moment, you know, I think if you're doing a certain activity, right, and you're going to post it on social media later. If you can focus and be present in the moment and actually enjoy what you're doing and then consciously choose later on to go share that with your friends, I think that you're fine. But if you're thinking about posting while you're doing the thing and only what the validation you're gonna get from your friends thinking how cool your life is, that's a, that's the point at which it becomes like bad for you, I think.
0: Right, yeah. It's uh, it becomes bad, right? It becomes a, a very self-destructive behavior you know, yeah. when it gets too far, and it goes with anything, right? Like if you, even if you're playing video games or if you're you know watching too much porn or uh, yeah. eating too much, if you, too much of it, it's going to be self-destructive, mm-hmm. and when they're so deep into this type of behavior, their sense of free will becomes. Somewhat of a ghost, you know what I mean? They feel like they're Mm. in too deep. They feel like they've dug themselves a grave and they can't get out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a mentality sense, and yeah, you know that the motivation inside uh, individuals is highly, highly. uh, It's sensitive. It's very sensitive Mm because you know uh, the people who people what people should fear the most is themselves. Because when it comes oh, to yeah. initial thoughts and mentality, it, it's really about motivation and self discipline. And there is mm-hmm. a lot of people out there, especially on social media, that are uh, very weak willed and they're very mm-hmm. scared of themselves. You know what I mean? Like they wake mm-hmm. up or they, they they check their posts and like, oh, why didn't it get a few? Why didn't it get a lot of likes? Oh, I am stupid. I did something wrong. Like I am yes, I am comparing they, myself to this other person. I am not as good as them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That comparison it just automatically starts and then. It's kind of like uh, uh, you lose control because it's something external that is validating you, and if that validation yeah. does not come, oh wow, <laughs> you're in for some deep tr- trouble, man. Like,
0: yeah, it's so interesting how the validation needs to come, right? Yeah, it's like you, it's it's water. <laughs> it's like you yeah. need it daily, and most people's social media they need that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even. People were off social media too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you were you were gonna say?
1: Yeah, I would argue that I think to a certain degree, if again, it goes back to the whole conscious or unconscious thing. My argument would be that you should definitely check the feedback that you're getting. Now, there's a I think there's a fine line between validation and feedback, and I've thought about this before. I'm like, okay, at what point does you know the reactions of others? At what point is it feedback versus validation, you know, or, or pointless validation? Let's put it that way, because let's say you post something, um, let's say about politics, okay, and you get a really shitty reaction, and all of a sudden, you know, you're out of all the social circles, your whole, you know, your thing is is whatever, okay? Yeah. Actually, actually, that's a bad example. That's a bad example. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's backtrack for a second. Um, What I'm trying to say is that if 99% of people, let's say, um, are not going to go along with your ideas, let's say, let's say you're a politician, okay. And your goal is to reach the governorship of, I don't know, Vermont, and the population of Vermont is is giving you feedback on your ideas and your political ideology, 99% of them don't agree with you, okay? That, now the politician can say like, well, I have my own ideas and I'm gonna stick to my own ideas because, you know, I don't seek validation from others. But you're also forgetting that that is feedback that you need to take into consideration. You see what I'm saying? So I think it depends on the context again, and there's a fine line, right, like between feedback and validation again. Uh, But I think if you are, again, consciously analyzing it and you know that you're not going to fall into the validation portion of it, it's good to get feedback from your audience, especially from people that you trust, you know, like close friends or family members that will give you honest feedback about, you know, what you're trying to pursue or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So, again, I think it's a – yeah, that's that's where I stand on that. Interesting, yeah. Because –
0: I think to a degree, can you think uh, of times in your life where you need that validation? Like maybe um, through YouTube videos, like the validation is through the views and through the subscribers and you know, through the mm. likes. Yeah. Um, for you, you need validation in respect to, um, well, I don't know per se, but I'm just saying yeah, that yeah. You, know, you need it to a degree, right? I mean, yeah,
1: I, yeah. I consider that feedback because, I mean, it depends on who you're talking about, right? Like if you're talking about the general market, um, okay, okay, actually here, I'll give you an example. I saw on Facebook a few days ago, this guy that I knew from UCLA, uh, he was the president of this club called the Bruin Entrepreneurs. And he's actually starting a YouTube channel, okay? And it's all about entrepreneurship and that sort of thing. And a tech startups, that's his like whole passion, right? So he's starting a YouTube channel and he posted it on Facebook and he's like, "Hey, you know, I just uh, I've been watching YouTube videos for a while, uh, blah 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 blah. But I'm starting a YouTube channel. Go like, comment, and subscribe um, on my videos and whatever." <clears throat> and he posted uh, <clears throat> one video, right? One introduction video that was like a minute long, that had no good editing, that had like just basic. It was just a very basic introduction video to his channel. He had already 56 subscribers and 390 views on it. And it was mainly because, you know, his close friends and family supported him and everything. Right. And what happens is if you think about it logically, if you understand how YouTube works, the algorithm actually promotes videos on the suggested bar um, to put your video higher and higher in the suggested views. If you have more people interacting with your videos, there's something called the watch time metric. Right, so, so if people watch your videos from start to finish more, that means people are engaging with your videos more. And yeah. therefore, the, the YouTube algorithm will promote your video more. And it'll show up more on people's like suggested boxes and feed, right? Um, and, and if people comment on it, if people subscribe to it, pe- basic interaction with your videos, right? And I thought to myself, like I, I just started my own re- YouTube channel recently, and I, I didn't post about it on social media, um and i had i think four videos up at the point and i thought like and i have i had at that point i think five or six subscribers right um and so i decided i was like dude like this guy he has one video it's not even that good and he already got support from friends and family which might very well might give him a boost and even if those people unsubscribe from him then it won't matter because his video was already sort of more promoted than it would have been otherwise so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do that also. So I posted it on Facebook and I posted it on Instagram, my, my most recent video. And I said, oh, I, something, something similar. I was like, hey, I uh, started a YouTube channel, go check it out, I just wanna educate people on certain topics uh, using, uh, I don't know, just to get people thinking about certain topics. Now, here's the thing, I should not give a shit about the feedback that I get necessarily from these guys. I should care more about the feedback that i get from the world that is going to be watching those videos why because the people who i post it like so so basically when i post it on my facebook and instagram i am whether they like my videos or not is almost kind of irrelevant what's more relevant is that they interact with those videos so that then the algorithm pushes it up you see what i'm saying because they're not my market. They're not my demographic. I'm not necessarily targeting all of them. They were just the ones that I was geographically closest located to. Oh, these are the people I went to high school with. Maybe some of them I went to college with. Now, they don't necessarily think the same way that I do. They don't. Nece- they may not even necessarily, necessarily like my videos, right? Um, but I will promote this on my Instagram to help boost my videos up into the suggested box more so so that when people do watch it, they can interact more with it and then I will end up finding the right demographic out there in the world who actually wants to see my videos. So back to the whole validation and, and, and uh, I guess validation versus feedback, that's what it was. Yep. I shouldn't care about the feedback that I get from you know Instagram and Facebook currently because those people are just geographically located next to me, There's no, there's no relevant point at which they can give me feedback that would just be me seeking validation. But if the if I throw this video out, let's say, let's say next week and the market, the people who see this video, let's say it gets like 10,000 views, most of them, you know, dislike the video, I have to analyze it to the point of okay, did I do something wrong here or is it other people? Now, I typically like to think that it's me and I'm getting feedback from the environment and I need to switch something up. I need to improve something because obviously something went wrong here. Either people don't like the videos or you know, I need to keep uploading before there's, there's any sort of success. You know I think there's, there's a lot of analysis that has to go into it, but feedback comes from your demographic, the actual people who want to see your videos and maybe will uh, either like your videos or dislike your videos. But when it comes to people that are not relevant, you should not care about the feedback they give. Does that make sense? It does. Social media really does.
0: The backbone of social media, it profits from self-doubt. You know what I mean? So what you were just describing is if you have a lot of dislikes, you initially think that it's yourself. So you have doubt in yourself that you provided a good video. Yes. So with that said, on other platforms of social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, if you don't get a lot of response, a lot
1: of positive feedback, Mm -hmm. you have a lot of self-doubt. I would say so, yes, but only if you are, let's say you're consistently posting videos about let's say bodybuilding, right? Um, You're a big YouTuber, you got like 300 videos up, okay? Uh, let's say all your videos from are, are being, or at least let's say 60 to 70% of your videos are being watched by subscribers who specifically subscribe to you because they like the content you're putting out. And it gets them thinking, it gets them, you know, uh, the information they want, whatever, right? If they are consistently liking it, and you know, the, the ratio of likes to dislikes is at a consistent rate of like, let's say, between 90 and 95%. Right, If that in the next video drops to like 60 and 40, something went wrong there. Something I think, and and you can think about it in both ways, I think, and you should think about it in both ways. Either the society and the people that watch this video think incorrectly or it's me. I think you should think about it from both perspectives Um, because I don't think it's wrong necessarily to doubt what you believe, if it gets you thinking about, um, let's say, because I I don't always think I'm going to be correct on my ideas. You know what I mean? I think I should have a little bit of self doubt because that helps correct my ideas. Um, and I'm seeking the feedback from the market because this is what the market ideally wants to see. Now, if I'm putting out content that content that the market doesn't want to see at all, what what am I doing? Wasting my time? You know what I mean? I could put those ideas out there, but if I'm not seeking to give the market what they want, then, or at least show them maybe what they want. Um, I I personally, I would not even be on social media at all. I wouldn't be doing this YouTube channel. I would not be, you know, if I'm not, if my content is not getting people thinking in the right way and they actually enjoy what, they're, what these topics are about, then I would not even do them. And that's me taking feedback into consideration. Does that make sense? Oh.
0: Yeah, it does. You want that, that's just my point of view, right? Yeah. So, the the main motivation behind your your determination is you want to make an impact in general, right? Yes. Yes. That makes sense because uh, you're very much a, a, a guy who loves intelligent talk. So mm. you you don't like. Uh, Putting, putting in like a, a lot of less thought into different topics. So you're very much into analyzing. You're very much into discussing every end of a certain topic. Mm-hmm. Most people don't do that. And it's hard to find uh, individuals who are even willing to listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're trying to provide something that is going to be very difficult for people to get used to, you know what i mean? Like mm. a lot of people they're not going to view this whole podcast episode. They'll most likely jump around.
1: Yeah, probably. The,
0: the time span of like a individual brain is like what? Like 15 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Minutes. Yeah, your brain has capa- limited capacity for sure. Limited capacity for sure. And you know, it's it's this idea that um you have to keep the audience engaged. And I think mm-hmm. you're ultimately trying to figure that out. So you're, you're choosing certain topics and you're editing in a certain way. And yeah. you, you're trying to not only make an impact, but you're also trying to keep an audience so you can keep impacting that audience. And it's exactly. very difficult.
1: Exactly. I think, I think, essentially, I think what I. You're correct 100% that okay. people don't have. <laughs> um, and a big attention span. And this is exactly why. And I see other YouTube videos and I think like, okay, how many people are actually changing their lives or actually changing the way they think because of what these people say? There, there are well, most a of it's lot. of comedy. Huh? Sorry, what was that?
0: Most of it's comedy on, on YouTube, right? So a lot of it lot is of it. just a lot of laughs. A lot of it's not really stimulating. Uh, how do I say? Content.
1: You know yes. what I mean? Yes, yes. Um, so, so the way, you know, the way that I kind of want to do it and go about it is, well, what is, you know, cause I know people are not going to like sit there and read through all these like studies and articles and stuff like that because <laughs> the human brain just doesn't have that much capacity and most people don't even no. find it interesting, you know? So yeah. I look at it as my job to sort of at least summarize to a certain degree, um, what the things that the ideas and give them actionable tips on how to implement this information or to think about this information and to have nice, cause some people are visual learners. Some people are auditory learners. you know, they, they listen to it and they learn. So I think if I can reach visual learners by way of proper editing, simplifying the argument down as, as much as possible, while at the same time providing references, um, I can at least i'm not going to talk i'm not going for the mass target like that's not even possible with what i what i'm trying to discuss like most people don't even want to hear that you know like most people just want to listen to comedy or something right but what who i'm trying to target more so would be i guess uh the let's say the the
0: good the guy chunk who's of the going popul- through trouble right you're, yes you're trying to get to that guy who's like having a hard time and you know, try to figure things out. It's like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Like give, giving people solutions and, and opening up their mind to think in different ways and giving them more free will and, and more power in their life, essentially, to get them thinking that they're not a complete victim, you know? Like there are ways to, like one of the videos I made was on how to break a bad habit. You know how we were talking about addiction before? Um, there, are, And the reason I lean more on the free will side is because I've, I guess I mean I've never overcome an addiction really. So I don't I don't think I've had a, a really bad addiction or anything, but Oh, really? I not that I would say so. Like, I mean, like nothing bad. It, well, you don't eat I junk mean, food. I mean, alcohol consumption is the most I think the closest that I've gotten to, really. Okay. Um and I've recently not been having much alcohol for the past like few months, you know, much at all compared to what I used to. And I think a lot of that comes from just keeping myself busy with other things. Thinking about the long term and sort of trying to see where I want to go in the long term, and really think, put my put my brain and effort and mental energy into that, and not well into alcohol is like a
0: social thing yeah. for you, so it, yeah. it's kind of like reserved for that type of environment where you're with exactly. others and you're just drinking a lot. Oh, he's drinking a lot. Let's drink some more, and then yeah, that sort of thing. I guess yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting though because uh, you were just giving some humility there. You were like, I can't really relate to an addiction because I can't, I haven't really overcome that. Mm. Um, I think, well, you've definitely gone through pain and you've gone through a sense of struggle. Yes. So, uh, with that in mind, you got some experience in respect to, um, you know, gaining self-discipline, staying motivated, staying determined, trying to orient yourself and, you know, stay focused. Yeah. Uh, because you graduated UCLA like really early, right? Yeah, yeah. So you had that going for you. Yeah. Uh, okay, we've kind of gone off on a tangent here. Yeah. <laughs> <As laughs> we, we can get back do. on tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back on it. Um, the yeah. tangent train. So, it's it's a good thing that you're reviewing this type of, uh, what motivation? This type of uh, idea they are going by, right? So. Mm trying to get an audience trying to reach out to that individual who's having a hard time who's suffering who is going through some pain he just wants to figure out what's going on and uh you're very relatable in respect to uh uh young graduates out of college mm-hmm. you're still in that demographic and you're still in that group yeah. of people where they freshly graduated college and they're trying to figure things out they're trying to stay busy and ultimately um you're trying to be successful. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to reach your own idea of successful. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a lot more other demographics or group of people who are trying to think about that as well. Yeah. It's uh, what you did recently, like in the past uh, couple months, you started mm-hmm. two podcast episodes, two podcast shows, um, mm-hmm. three YouTube channels, essentially.
1: Uh, two, ish? Wait, let me think about this. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, two, okay. two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, two. Yeah. Okay. Two and two. Right. Yeah. Because
0: uh, I remember when we first talked when you were out of college, you were on board with real estate and you were going to go that route.
2: But yeah.
0: It wasn't so much of a, I would argue a challenging route, and it wasn't so much of a, uh, uh, how do I say? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting, basically.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. So
0: it wasn't going for you. It wasn't that attractive. No. Uh, What else? It's the idea that, um, you know, you you had a sense of stability in the beginning, right? So you wanted to go mm-hmm. for a stable job. You wanted to go for real estate. You wanted to own your own hotel. You wanted to go into, you know, purchasing land and leasing and doing all yeah. these things. Exactly. But, exactly.
1: But then you went kind of, you know, 90 degrees yeah this route (laughs) this this sort of speaks to me more you know this sort of is gets me excited to wake up and and do the work you get what I'm saying real estate does not have the same sort of uh uh appeal to me real estate was just a thing I picked because it seemed like relatively like a good way to make a stable income uh while being somewhat entrepreneurial um And that sort of thing and not being too i guess risk-taking you know but i don't know this thing this thing just and 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 also part of the reason is because ever since we started these podcasts um i've i had i've just had a gut feeling and i it's not just a gut feeling i've like thought about it too you know but it started initially with the gut feeling that this is something first of all that I enjoy and I, I'm starting to realize and think that I actually can do this you know and and really this if you asked me two years ago if I was completely 100% honest with you this is something that I would have told you I wanted wanted to do but I probably wouldn't have done it at that point because I just I didn't see myself as that kind of person you know I was kind of right. like I'm just I'm still trying to figure myself out I'm still trying to figure out you know how I discipline myself first you know before I can really even give advice, like who am I to give advice, you know? But recently I've just been feeling that the person I've become, I mean, I'm not saying I I don't have room to grow, I have tons of room to grow, but I think that I've gotten to a point where I can at least start this process and this sort of thing and be successful in it, you know?
0: Okay, yeah. It's a type of passion that you tapped into. So, yeah, you got that going for you. And initially, I had a sense that you were going to go this route because of how we just communicated initially when we met mm-hmm. in Mount SAC, uh, or maybe a little after when we got to know each other. But, you know, we we constantly had these talks uh, yeah. you know, off the air, like when we drive in the car mm-hmm. and we would just talk and talk and talk and different topics Mm -hmm. here and there left and right up and down as anything goes and everything came up and you were excited to talk about it we learned a lot and to bring this to an audience I think you have something very good Mm. so uh, look forward to a lot of growth (laughs) and it may come a time where it would get so big uh, it's gonna get hard to handle you know what I mean oh yeah yeah I, I, that's so, a good problem to have, honestly. I would love to have that problem. <laughs> problem to have. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get very busy. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, uh, you're doing your own podcast. We have our own podcast. Mm. And that's interesting, actually. Question. Why did you decide to have us as, as a separate podcast?
1: I feel like, well, number one, you're away at college. And to do candid chit-chats in person over here... It oh, would be true. it would be actually impossible, <laughs> but that's that's the main reason. Uh, the second reason is I feel like we have sort of a dynamic that, as a group, we would lose completely. And I actually I saw that that that, that same thing, that very same thing, happen on the Power Podcast, which was episode five of Candid Chit Chats, mm-hmm. where I the conversations that you and I have, the the information, the content that we get out. Out of our conversations, it just doesn't happen in a group, and it, it the chance for it to happen, it doesn't happen. You see what I'm saying? Because there's just okay. so much conversation. There's so much. Uh, there are certain people, you know, in the group who, when we talk as a group of four or five people, ideas are bouncing off of everyone, right? Like everywhere, people are disagreeing with you, and then you got to go off on a tangent and like. Iron out the assumptions of that argument, and then you just never really get down to the core of it. And it's funny because I was talking to Nick about this, which is one of the members of Candid Chit Chats, um, and he—I was asking him for feedback on our podcast, and I played one episode. This is a long time ago. Um, he said that the dynamic that we have, and I agreed with him. This is where the idea came from. Was the dynamic is just different? It's a two, he said maybe it's just a two-person dynamic or what I don't know, but. You know, that's what it is. And also another thing is that we're having a lot of scheduling conflicts with Candid Chit Chats. We're not able to sit down on, you know, twice per week and crank out episodes. As you can see, we're, we only just got to episode six. And to get okay. all people in the same room, you know, it's freaking difficult. So I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I have to have another option on the side as well to do, you know, something like this with someone who's actually a little bit more dedicated to it. Um, or who can actually make it more often, you know, and is willing yeah. to, um, yeah. and is, you know, going to put in good input. That's true. That level of, uh, what input
0: is it's definitely more here, I would say, because it's a lot more stable in my regards, <laughs> in yeah. my sense. And it's a lot more, uh, smooth. So mm. there's not a lot of input and there's not, there's not a lot of like, uh, like dissecting of certain uh, conversations of what he said, what she said kind of thing. Mm. And w- if you add more people, the the amount of noise in a conversation increases exponentially. Yeah. yeah. Everyone wants to have their own input and everyone wants feedback on their input and they want to know what you think. And then you got to mm-hmm. talk and then things happen left and right. So it's very complex in that sense. Just that dynamic yeah. in general. So I agree yeah. with you on that. Uh, also, another side note is I think our mindsets are just different overall yeah so yeah. We, we have a, a a somewhat similar type of ideals when it comes to like politics and yeah uh, you know we I think we came closer together kind of like a romantic, not like a romantic thing but when it came to <laughs> <laughs> like a bromance kind of a thing like a bromance <laughs> yeah <laughs> in terms of knowledge so like Jordan Peterson uh, yes Ben Robert Shapiro, Green. Uh, yeah, Robert Greene, other other type of big figures, right? That we could discuss about, and oh, this, yeah. that, you know, we talk about this, and uh, with the others, I don't think that's it's as deep as it is here, not um, even close. Because I think what got me so interested in our talks was because your level of interest was much higher than other friends I have right now. Mm. and that's a very rare thing even on the power po- podcast they didn't really mention the book 48 laurels of power at all they were really I was giving their gonna... own personal input
1: yeah you know i was just going to mention that too um, but i was i was going to let you finish talking first so go on go i'll, I'll tell you about that in a bit that's, i'm pretty much done yeah <laughs> oh so on that power podcast actually i did I, I don't know if you noticed i had the book out on the table and I was going to bring it up too. Yeah. And I was like looking at it or like, I was going to pick it up. and then. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Because, like, yeah, that, that's a fantastic book to reference when you're talking about power. You know, that's like the book. <laughs> if you ask me. I had notes me. Of my I mean, phone too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is exactly what I mean by the conversations that you and I have are not the conversations we're going to have with them because it, even if I wanted to bring it in and I was going to bring it in I even at the end I even mentioned the the quote by Nicola Machiavelli um, but we didn't have time to like go into it. I was trying to transition into it a little bit but right. I was thinking we could have like a part two to that podcast specifically talking about that part of power not like a personal power motivational kind of talk you know but yeah remember what I said about how if I say something, there's people in the group that are gonna disagree and agree and then we all have to like, go into that that road right we go off on tangents but we never really get to the core of it or we never really at least in that particular episode got to the core of it which um i think was that book or at least i wanted to say was that book but um i feel like in a two-person dynamic we would have more time to talk about it and more um interest to talk about it as well as if we agree on the assumptions we can actually get a lot deeper in our analysis because if in, in the other episode it's a, there's a lot of disagreement and i mean in the other podcast there's so much disagreement um we have a guy who's like a postmodernist in the group you know uh uh-huh. julio who kind of just like will disagree with a lot if not almost everything you say right to sort of play devil's advocate and when he does that we have to really go a separate route to iron out the assumptions but we never get deeper in our analysis because of that but with you and i we have we agree on certain things like politics or power or whatever it is and because we have that base of agreement we can go deeper into our analysis because our assumptions are the same
0: yeah it's that level of uh uh i guess background in respect to each individual is different and in a dynamic and candid chit chats. The level of conversation is very shifty. You know what I mean? Because there's so much personal mm-hmm. input, and there's so much disagreement. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of that makes a good conversation, in my in my opinion, because it kind of uh, forces you to listen, Play and it that forces advocate. you to battle the idea itself.
1: Yes. Yeah. In a it forces situation you to
0: clear. Pretty yeah, exactly. So in a, in a situation like this, there's a lot of agreement. So we can actually go f- deeper into the topics at hand. But mm-hmm. in, a, in a dynamic such as Canada Chit Chats, there's a lot of stagnations and there's a lot yeah. of obstacles in respect to the conversation and to the flow of the ideas at hand. Yeah. because you yeah. We, we like start off with one idea and I noticed this during the podcast I remember uh, we mm. started with like one idea and this other guy brings in this other idea then we got to talk about that idea but what about this mm. other idea that I brought up well that's forgotten let's talk about that idea and then Julio <laughs> brought in a yeah. different idea and then this, it stacks and stacks and stacks and we, we try to like get into everything and then personal input comes into play too so yes it, it, it's a different dynamic in respect to more people being involved in the conversation and it's. Uh, I think it's a good idea that you decided to keep uh, our podcast, our podcast, and your, that podcast, that podcast. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> no, I did enjoy yeah. it, though, when I was a guest on the, yeah. the Power episode. I liked it. Yeah. yeah, I really did. Um, it sparks a different type of conversation. It did. It honestly did. And uh, it, it definitely was a lot of personalities in that kind of conversation, too. And that's good as well. So, yeah, um, I think it's safe to say that we have a good idea of what our personalities are like. Like, I know yours, you know mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was a guest on Canada Chit Chats, I didn't have a good personality read on Paul and Julio because I just mm. met Paul and I haven't seen Julio in a long time. So right. I was really being limiting in my speech. I, w- I was very, <laughs> uh, what's the word? Not comfortable. Well, I was, I was comfortable. It was okay. just, um, you know, I couldn't say certain things because right, I wouldn't right. know how they would react and, you know, I wanted to keep the flow of conversation and the level of, of uh, a chaoticness <laughs> to yeah. a low. No, so, that's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's just, you know, I barely met them or I barely re-met them and it's just that kind of dynamic that was present at the time. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. going back to our conversation right now, uh, we talked about free will. We talked about social media, addictions, validations, feedback. And now Mm -hmm. we're talking about different dynamics in terms of conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we need to bring up that this kind of conversation rarely happens. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm the only person in this building right now that's actually talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's kinda of interesting. Um and people need to do this, I think. People people need to sit down and they need to talk. Yeah. Just about certain things and they need to dig deep and to think live on yeah. hand.
1: It's almost and, therapeutic.
0: Oh yeah, big time. That's why I'm that's part of the reason why I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Because it's like I need to talk and I need to think. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I don't usually have this kind of conversation dynamic throughout my daily life here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm kind of in a routine. Like I told you before, like I go to class, I come home, I, I work out in the morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work out in the morning uh, tomorrow. Go to class, come home, cook, eat, and you know it's, it's kind of like rinse and repeat. Um, right, right. So you need to shake you know, things up a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, and to be honest, and I'm going to talk about myself a little bit right here. When no, I try to have it. this kind of conversation with others, like on campus or with other people, they're not really as engaged. Like they're always kind of like thinking about something else, and they have mm. their own issues that they're dealing with. Um, and I, I've noticed nowadays, like this past week, people have really checked out. <laughs> and we're, yeah. we're kind of like near the end of the semester. Like I end May 14th, so it's coming up. Um, people have already checked out. Some of the TAs have already checked out. It's like, oh, all right. And what I mean by that, by checked out, I mean like mentally, they're just not. They're they're waiting for the semester to end. Like you can just tell it on their face. Like they're tired. Right. They don't have enough sleep. Um, they keep conversation to like a minimum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm not really a talkative guy, but when it gets a when it gets to a point like this, I'm like, all right, dude now we're really not talking (laughs) (laughs)
1: like bring us something
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah like i had a guy who just bailed on me during lab and i'm like all right (laughs) oh man so it it gets a little uh interesting i think it's interesting to be honest do you find people
1: skipping class often
0: yeah i've told you about this before like last semester the final exam was packed
1: <laughs> yeah and
0: like i'm like where do these people come from but they didn't come to class
1: <laughs> no seriously the same thing happened what ucla dude exact same yeah. thing
0: it's crazy and it's uh, i go office hours pretty often and i'm like the only yeah.
1: guy there <laughs> no dude i used to do the same thing <laughs> yeah i wanted to talk to my t- professor you know yeah i mean not I all too, the time yeah. i'm gonna go every time but sometimes
0: yeah um like i i'd like check in every now and then uh and I'm like, OK, um, even if I don't really have like I need help, I just like mm. sitting there and, and like just say what's talk. up. talk. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: I think. I, well, first of all, I think the, the professor really appreciates that, you know, because um, you're a student who's actually interested in what they're teaching, you know. Um, right. And I think yeah. professors genuinely like that for the most part, um, unless the professor just like hates their job. But, busy
0: and they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And on top of that. You're, you're getting human interaction, number one, and it's good human interaction because the conversations that you're having are helping you learn the material and burn it into your brain more. On top of that, if the professor gets to know you and is grading your papers or is grading you, know, you they'll remember you too. They might even have a, and I, I used to think like this. I was like, you know, if I go in, I know for a fact <laughs> that my professor's ethics, probably, yes. gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, my professor's probably going to grade me better because he knows, he or she knows that I'm actually uh, interested in what, you know, the subject's about. And I'm actually taking the time to, to ask questions or things like that. And that's not, that's not the only reason I did it, but I knew that that was going to be a side effect, you know? Yeah. Um, How sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do it, man, like, for the grades, bro. <laughs> but but I found that. Do you find that you're the only one in there all the time, or are there every now and then? Are there students?
0: I'm the only one. Oh yeah, wow, that's kind of interesting. Now that you're bringing up, I, I go to my math professor uh, every Thursday, and okay. um, most of the time I'm the first one there. <laughs> okay, uh, but sometimes I'm like uh, some other guy comes in, or they they come in and they need help, and. Mm. Um yeah it's it's kind of interesting cuz when it comes to students they kind of check out most of the time you know what i mean yeah like they've gone through the semester uh everything didn't turn out the way they wanted it to be like maybe mm-hmm. they got a bad like a bad grade on the test and they lost motivation or you know maybe something's going on at home or you know maybe they're having trouble with their girlfriend or their boyfriend right you know, things happen shit happens so that that mentality kind of shifts, right? That that sense of validation it's lost. Going back to what we were saying before.
1: Interesting. What do you mean by validation? As in, I like think most students in universities
0: okay. now, they—I um, didn't mean to cut you off, but I've said a no, quick answer. Over. I think they have this sense of validation meter. Going back to what we were saying about uh, females and the self esteem meter.
1: I oh, and same, socializing and that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, I think the same goes for students in uh, universities, especially undergrad, undergraduates. So, mm. um, you know, it's, it's hard to stay motivated in this kind of dynamic environment because a lot of things are changing. I mean, you're, you're in a social situation where you're kind of on your own in, in retrospect when it comes to your studies and, and your, uh, your grades. Uh, especially, th- there is times where you are part of a group and you, you feel that sense of uh, belonging. But ultimately, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, you're pretty much alone. Um, it's pretty much your time and what you're going to do with it. Uh, so going back to what I was saying, uh, validation, I think most students throughout universities, they they lose their sense of validation and they lose their sense of self-respect. Like they start the, the, the semester with a lot of self-respect and a lot of motivation and the only thing the only direction that bar goes is down as the semester's mm. progresses i'm not saying it it decreases linearly i'm just saying it decreases overall like it will never reach that maximum point of of a uh, validation of that of that self-respect you know what i mean yeah that's my theory so far um i've kind mm. of noticed it here and there cuz uh you know a lot of these Students at my university, I think they're just kids, man.
1: <laughs> Tell just me about of, it, man. They're just a bunch of
0: kids who are just like figuring things out, and you know they're doing random shit, and they yeah. try to, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to do good, but they're just they could be better.
1: <laughs> no, trust me, I I agree with you. I, I hate 100%. to say it,
0: but yeah,
1: I I look at it, I, when I when I used to walk around campus, every now and then I'd think to myself like. I, what you were saying about the whole, you know, people really focus a lot of their brain power, their limited brain power. Everyone has limited brain power, right? I think we can agree on that. They focus a lot of it on socializing and and whether they fit in and and social media and whatever, right? Yeah. I think if I look at it from an evolutionary perspective, in which I used to do, I see people, and it's 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 crazy. Like it's not like I walk around looking every at everyone like they're like monkeys or apes or something, but I definitely see that they're kind of like animals that are, and I'm not calling human beings animals or like we are animals, but I'm saying like, I'm looking at them as unconscious, unconsciously living through their primal instincts, meaning they have to fit into the group because it's about survival like that. You know, even though in our current environment, that's not necessary. You're going to (laughs) survive at least for the most part, you know? Interesting. Um, Okay. More on that. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Cause in the real world, Going back to reality, yeah, the, the world is not set up in a way that the universities are set up. The universities are so disconnected from the real world itself that mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Like they're they're hardly connected to the workforce environment. They're hardly connected to, you know, economics in, in terms of you know the free market and what what happens in in American economy. They're so disconnected, and I think the reason uh-huh. being is because they think they're so special. They think they're so. Different, like they're going to change the world, um, so right? They a lot of this—I hate to say it—but a lot of like pseudo um, motivation or pseudo uh, entitlement to a lot Ye- of entitlement. Students.
1: Yes, I think that's what it is.
0: I th- yeah, I think that's the word for it. And this could be applicable to like the Ivy League schools or something like that, like Yale. The ones who are always complaining—it's this idea of of you're you're part of a university that's so you know well-known and that it's so prestigious right mm. that you're gonna go into the world and you're gonna change it and you're, you're gonna mm. be like this massive uh force in the workforce so you're gonna um, you're gonna just you know reinvent the market sometimes they do right throughout yeah. history so you have mark zuckerberg going through that whole facebook phase um, mm-hmm. so and in some cases they do right and I I would attribute those to being like miracles. (laughs) They don't happen often. Most of the time, it's you have to bite the dust and you have to face reality as it is, right? You have the workforce to deal with. You have to um, figure out what you're going to do with your time. And you can't just rely on your own um, mentality that you had in in university. Things are going to change. Yeah, And uh, I think that's the... That's, that's what I want to say uh, where, what were we talking about we were talking about
1: uh, yeah um, the the entitlement thing right uh, I agree I I absolutely agree you know um, I don't think universities prepare kids for the workforce necessarily um, they focus too much on educating them on the topic at hand but they should have a class you know focusing on, How are you going to handle yourself outside of the university? Uh, So things like how do you, like how hard is it really going to be? Be pragmatic. I don't think it's unre. I think everyone, and I was talking to Julio and Nick on the previous episode of Candid Chit Chats about this. Um, I think it's a good thing to set unreasonable goals and unrealistic goals, but the path to get there has to be pragmatic and realistic because and, and what I mean by unreasonable is unreasonable goals is improbable. Um, you should have a backup plan, but if you want to go for an unreasonable goal, who the hell am I to tell you no, right? But if you do do that, then have a pragmatic path to get there. be smart about how you're gonna get there. Don't think that it's gonna be easy or don't think that it's gonna um, you are for sure gonna get there you know, you have to prepare yourself mentally for a lot of stress, a lot of, you know, all this stuff, you have to truly be grounded in reality, and see how things and and how reality really works to be able to have that uh, unreasonable goal become true. Because there everyone says, Oh, man, I want to be a billionaire. It's like, dude, are you kidding me? Okay, the vast majority of you saying that you want to be a billionaire or a multiple multimillionaire are probably not going to get there because you say it, but you don't, your actions are completely the opposite or you think you're going to get there so easily because you have this entitlement mindset. Like you're just, you're just going to get it like, you know what I mean? Um, uh, but yeah. if you actually have a plan to get there, that is pragmatic, that can actually happen, that's realistic and it's grounded in reality. And you know that there's a, a good, decent shot. It, okay. One quick side note here. People are afraid of taking risks, right? Um, And I understand that completely. And I think that you should look at risks like this, right? And I mentioned this on the previous podcast for Candid Chit Chats also, that risks in and of themselves are not a bad thing, I think. Um, You should go for risks, especially if you know what you're doing. I think what it comes down to is hedging that risk. And what I mean by that is, de-risking it so if your chances of failure are let's say 80 percent or 70 percent on what you're doing find ways to de-risk it you know be super calculating about it take calculated risks you know Um, bring the risk down to almost zero so that it's not really a risk it looks kind of like a risk on the outside to most people but it's not really because you know the most realistic way to make this thing happen but most people don't do that. That's the problem, I think. And think people think it's going to be easier because they've had previous accomplishments in life, such as, oh, I got into this great university. Therefore, everything else is going to come to me in life, <laughs> you know? Um, Interesting.
0: I yeah. agree. That's a good point. A lot of the university students think that they they go into this college and they're like, everything's going to be taken care of because yeah. I go to this great university and they're going to set everything up for me and I'm going to leave with this I'm going to leave gold, right? I'm going to be this perfect individual. Yeah. Um, a lot of them don't. And mm-hmm. I think it's because when uni- when students enter universities, they have a lot more free will than they know how to handle. Okay. Interesting. So what I mean by that is uh, they have a lot more opportunities socially mm. and they have a lot more opportunities academically. There is a lot more opportunity, but there's also a lot more opportunities to uh, develop self-destructive behaviors. Oh, yeah. They're away from
1: home. Alcohol is there. Friends are there.
0: Peer pressure. That's true. Most students nowadays, they go to college for the experience. They go to the college for that same thing you just said. They want to experience that type of experience lifestyle i think most Mm -hmm. of them do so they want to experience what it's like to have that kind of freedom they want to experience what it's like to be young and dumb (laughs) yeah yeah i I think i don't think i ever had that um mentality Mm. to be honest like i've struggled through life um Mm.
1: but i've never had the i these this this deep desire Yeah, interesting. I did actually at a certain point. Yeah, you very much did. (laughs) Yeah, no, I did. And I I definitely lived through that. I would say with me, it was I had and this is thanks to my parents, really. Uh, My parents, when I was being raised and and partially, I mean, me, just my own personality growing up was that I always had to focus on my main goal, my priority, which was to get, you know, to get into a good school, to get good grades, to, you know, find a good job, which I mean, or, or find your purpose in career in life and whatever, right? And to do good, you know, to to perform well, essentially, in life, right? That's your priority. But my secondary goal, a lot of the times in college was, okay, man, I need to practice being social. I need to practice getting out there. I need to practice going to, you know, going through you all this and maneuvering pressured. myself through huh
0: yeah you felt a lot more pressure didn't you because
1: i wouldn't say it was i guess yeah part of it was pressure but i would say part of it was also me every every social interaction i went into every not just every social interaction but every i guess um new experience i went into in college i was deeply analytical about it um I don't think I was unconsciously making two, I was making unconscious choices for sure, but not all of them were unconscious. I think a lot of the interactions that I was going into, I was following Jason Capital a lot during that time. I was practicing a lot of these like skills, developing these, these social skills, developing these, um, you know, a, a good way to look at interactions with people, um, which I don't think, I think people unconsciously go into social interactions a lot without really thinking too much about it. I tried to go in with a mentality of, okay, what can I learn from this interaction? How can I better myself socially from this interaction? But the main goal, the main priority was um, like, I gotta, you know, the whole school thing, college, right? That's why like I had to focus primarily on on, like, my, my goal was like, get in, get out from SAC, right? And, and focus on your career, focus on your grades, focus on whatever, um, which I think I was able to prioritize for sure. Because, I mean, I accomplished what I was setting out to accomplish, you know. Um, I forgot the main point of what I was trying to make here. here. But I Uh, I definitely did go through unconscious uh, pressure, for sure. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say it was as big as most people go through. um, But I went through it, and I sort of went into it thinking like, okay, this is the environment for me that's going to, you know, bring me pressure. It's going to do this, that, whatever. But I need to learn how to sort of, I guess, maneuver my way around it. And that's why partially I had my mentor, Jason Capital, at the time to do that, um, to help me out with that. Uh, And that's why I was like obsessed with whatever he was teaching. You know, I'm like, oh, I got to do this, got to do that, whatever, you know. (laughs) And I loved it. You're you're much more methodical when it came to that time in your life.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say that you had a big, you know, for lack of better terms, Uh, a young and dumb phase, you know, like where you go join a frat and you, you try to like fit in and you go to these parties and you try to maximize your amount of social worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you, you engaged in that for a little bit, but you quickly realized how self destructive it could be and how much of a waste of time it can be. It could be a good investment for some people where they get in that frat, um, I guess, lifestyle, and they mm-hmm. they thrive from it they, they get into a high position and they get like financial gain so it does work yeah. for some people uh but for most people it does not
1: yeah yeah and i think pretty- i think it just becomes about alcohol and partying that's why i actually did rush a frat remember when i went in there remember what i told you like the first like i didn't even i passed the whole pledging process and after that i was like i'm done with this like this is just not me every time i go in there they'd be like hey man you want to snort a line of coke and i'm like no bro i'm okay i got work to do you know like this is like there was always that it's like my conscious uh conscience you know like you know have you seen pinocchio by the way you know how Jiminy cricket is supposed to like theoretically or metaphorically play the conscience of a Pinocchio? Uh I think so. So basically the idea is, is Pinocchio's a little kid and he's has to make his way through the world, sort of, and there's evil I guess there's there's bad decisions that he can make. Bad people he can, you know, be influenced by and he has to maneuver the world, right? Without his father, because his father I guess he loses him, right? Um and so Jiminy Cricket is supposed to act as The voice in his head Saying do this or don't do that You know and the movie Was showing how you know your vo- The voice in your head will say one thing But your actions are different You still go down the wrong path Sometimes um, right. and you have to learn from that Your experiences your mistakes and whatever But when And Ben Shapiro was actually talking about this That's how I know this whole conscience thing But when Um when the voice in my head would say like, this is right or this is wrong, like I just follow that voice, you know, because I I, I think I was more self-reliant than a lot of people. Like remember, it kind of goes back to the whole conscious versus unconscious thing. If you're conscious about the choices that you're making and the outcome that you want, I think it's okay to go through with that. If you're unconscious and you're, you know, you're not looking out for your long-term betterment, then you're losing the game of life, you know, in general. Um, But yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: What was I going to say? So this idea that, you know, when people are in universities, they are always trying to do what's best for them or what they think is best for them, right? So like you were Mm -hmm. saying, um, they think one way, but they really do another thing. Yeah. So... Uh, a lot of it is just they're trying to find a a good sense of self-respect. Like they're trying to find a certain group of people in a certain institution where they can maximize the amount of self-respect. I would uh, say so, yeah. I think it's so a deep I,
1: human need to be respected by others.
0: Yeah, but it, it, it definitely is. And, you know, most freshmen I think are in the field where they need to desperately find that source of self-respect immediately. So yeah. a lot of freshmen are engaged in social clubs, things like that. And that's interesting actually, because when I first joined the the club that we had at our community college and I was like a, an officer, they called it. So I, yeah. I was actually uh, organizing stuff. Uh, mm. I felt like shit. <laughs> <laughs> really? Why? Yeah. During that time. Um, mm. I I didn't like the board. I didn't like the the members or not the members the the the, the officers the other officers. Um, ah, I, I didn't see, like him as much. Like I I liked Sam and I liked a few others. Uh, yeah, but overall it was just maybe it was just like my 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 antisocial behavior maybe. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. But that was when I realized okay I can't be in this kind of dynamic, you know what I mean I, I can't mm-hmm. be in this social power game. It's exhausting and it's very demanding because okay. you know I would come home I would not only have my studies to work on but I would also have to spend most some of my time into the club so mm. organizing things and making sure things were okay and you know communicating with other officers and trying to get things done. And, you know, there's always that sense of, uh, communication between officers where like you're, you're trying to get them to do something, but they don't do it. So you do it. And then things start getting really awkward. So,
1: yeah, yeah. People are not on par with your, the level of commitment. And I I think I, I, I personally, I hate that a lot because I'm like, you know, if you can't even carry your own weight around here, you know, why are you in this position? Like, what what makes you deserve this position? You know, the club members voted you in, but is it only because you are a good talker (laughs) or or what exactly? Um, And the main reason I hate that is because if I'm picking up your work and you're getting credit for that work, I don't necessarily like that too much. Right. You get what I'm trying to say? There are certain people I'll do a little work for which I don't mind at all, you know, if it's like a group thing. But if it's your job or and if you need to respond, man, come on. You know, you're getting credit for this. Like, you know, I think I think those people at the end of the day in the long term are going to get hit hard with life because they they haven't necessarily developed the work ethic to understand. They just have the position, you know. They don't necessarily have that w- real raw work ethic in there. They don't have the mentality that's not there. And you can quickly
0: yeah. identify that it's not there just by seeing how they react under pressure, seeing how they act under stress. Yeah. Um, or even if you give them a little power, right? So if you really want to know a man, give him power. So Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this idea that, you know, individuals are so different when it comes to the real thing. And uh, I quickly realized that people are not so dependable as they are. When I was in that position, when I was interacting on that higher level of, uh, you know, decision making. Because people weren't dependable and I, I quickly realized that, oh, this is all just a power game. This is all just, you know, uh, social media, uh, you know, in- influence and social media gain. And it's just a bunch of personal uh, agendas going around. Yeah, And I'm like, this is yeah. bullshit. I mean it's kind of weird um i thought it was different going in and i realized i'm not gonna ever do that again (laughs) like even on on campus right now they have like a lot of uh fraternities and sororities and like clubs every now Mm. and then like on the main uh campus walkway yeah and i don't even pay attention i I just walk the other way i go around it's not it's not really a thing that Attracts me. Because I know it's just a lot of unnecessary
1: stress. Yeah. Um. I felt that exact same way about uh, my Bollywood dance team when I was at UCLA. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> so, so shitty, dude. I hated it with a fucking passion. Like, in my entire experience at UCLA, the worst thing that I went through was that team. And I expected it to be the best thing. One of the, one of the best things that I had gone through. But... Dude, the people, man, oh my god, talk about social clicks, talk about um, power games, and it sucks because, normal. okay, here's the thing, normally I do well in that kind of environment, right, I've consciously made, made a practice out of it, right, like we were talking about before with Jason Capital, all the teachings, I do very well, in fact, I fucking thrive in that environment. I'm not even trying to be cocky here. I'm just saying, like, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. But in that particular thing, it was different, and I think a lot of it had to do. And I'm I'm not trying to be racist to my own race here, but I think it had to do with the fact that the they were Indian. Yeah, it was culture. They were Indian. It was that type of yeah. Yeah. And and you know, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into that, but um, there, this whole social game, this whole power game, is very, very. It's played much on a much harder and much more hardcore level by Indian society, um, and you know they always talk about oh where does you know even even amongst the adults you know they ask their their adult friends oh where does your kid go to college oh my kid goes to Princeton my kid goes to UCLA my Every kid mom you know that. it's like it, yeah, yeah it, seriously it's like well well I mean you know parents yeah parents definitely do that right but I'm saying like when these indian individuals at parties get together i clearly see it a lot more than in your other cultures right and that that social status is very very important amongst indians and they are ruthless when it comes to that game and i know for a fact that you know when i went into that team i was really good at it much better than a lot of the people there but I know, here's the thing, so much of it was drama-filled. So much of it was that, you know, we need to sort of, and I know this sounds like it's a very negative bias and it sounds like I'm reaching far out there, but I'm I'm 99% sure that this is what happened, right? Um, so many of these people, they're like, we kind of don't like Parth because it's kind of like, he's kind of like hogging the, maybe the attention or whatever it is. We're going to try to find ways to, you know, If he says even one thing sort of to... They try to get you
0: out of the group? They pull the Julius Caesar on you or something like that?
1: Yes, yes. And and the big, big thing that happened that really gave it away was the whole Trump thing. And not only that, because any rational person would not necessarily completely, you know, as a whole team, disband you from, like, the group. Just because you mentioned that America is not going to be fucked because Trump is president. I didn't even say anything like really positive about him. I just said like, guys, it's okay. Like, this is America. We have a checks and balances system. Oh, got to get him right there. Boom, he's out kind of a thing. And a little bit of other drama here and there that went on. But I was just like, this is BS. And it's funny because I was not the only one who experienced this. My friend, uh, my other Indian friend who was on a different Indian dance team, it's a different type of Indian dance, like traditional, she experienced the exact same thing in that group. She, she, she left like early. Uh, unfortunately, I stayed <laughs> and I suffered for it, but it was just dumb, dude. This whole game, it's, you're right. It's a game. <laughs> and if you, you know, it, it's not worth it at times. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: It definitely is a type of risk and reward game that a lot of people are playing. Uh, they're willing to take that risk of, of uh, you know, being a part of the group and, and sacrificing their own ideals just so they can fit in and gain that power. Uh, this idea that um, the tribal biology kicks in, right? Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened when it came to your situation where they identify that you were not a part of the tribe because you didn't agree with their ideals and you weren't, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, moral.
2: So yeah.
0: they decided to take you out, uh, for like of better terms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very different in that respect because most of the time, I really don't give a damn about... Um, playing the tribal game and I think yeah. you realize that too once you went through that whole situation yeah but in some retrospects that's my biggest weakness Where I'm mm. most of the time I'm stubborn mm. and most of the time uh I choose not to get involved because I sense this I sense a a level of uh chaotic dynamics you know what I mean mm-hmm um Let's see here. Uh, an example would be honors ambassadors. How I, I realized that was a total um, sham, <laughs> s- total social just mess.
1: You know, I mean, I doubt a lot of honors ambassadors people will be listening to this. Um, okay. Do you want to elaborate for. a little bit more on like specific people because? Specific. So
0: Gotta call people out. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> well it is, all... you don't have to mention names, but like, just <laughs> yeah, like certain yeah. certain dynamics that kind of gave the it away that good. like. Like, this is not good. Like, I don't like this.
0: So, what I remember that the things that bothered me the most was, first of all, things were very segregated. Things were very divided. So, when it came to the usual meetings and when it came to even people at the higher end, uh, the officers, mm-hmm. uh, people were in cliques, quote-unquote. Um. That was very disturbing, right? Because it was just a, a bunch of divided uh, set of uh, people, Right. When it came to a club of unity and a club of ambassadors and we would go on events it was clearly evident that there were specific people who were in a certain clique like they would go to that one car or everyone in this car was part of that clique or everyone in that car was part of that clique so it became divided not only in the meetings but also on the road and also at the events so that was a little disturbing and i really Mm -hmm. noticed that because I was the one who organized the events.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So that was interesting to note. Uh, yeah. Another part was a lot of uh, unnecessary drama, a lot of high school bullshit. Yeah, uh, that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I never, yeah. I never had any of that high school bullshit because I went to a <laughs> uh, all male.
1: <laughs> yeah. The high Webster's school. dictionary definition: high school bullshit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> high school bullshit. It's just it's a lot of it's unnecessary. And yeah. people need that drama. They they need that that chaotic environment. They need that dynamic social uh, shifting plane. You know what I mean? That type of platform yeah. is it's very intriguing. And I think part of that was why we had a lot of females, a lot of girls in the social club as well. Yeah. Um, you know there was there was constant uh, um, alpha choosing. I think, for lack okay. of better terms, there was there was a lot of. Uh, Certain guys would get attention or what? Certain guys would get attention. They were there for like a certain guy they want to talk to. Because uh, I know a lot of girls who were there want to talk to Abraham ah. from, from, from Hush Hush uh, Back Talk uh, when I yeah. asked certain people uh, like one on one. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people were there for a social connection, like they had friends there and they just really wanted to fit in and they, they felt like they were welcome there, which is all good mm-hmm. and good. Uh, in respect to that, um not else I can remember to be honest, in terms of the specifics. I mostly right. forgot about most of what bothered me. What about okay. you though? What was your experience like?
1: Um I know there was drama on the board, but I didn't really partake on it too much. Um there I think there was a lot less drama on our board the spring 2016, I think it was. Um, the oh, yeah. board versus the yeah. previous board um, yeah. because we made a conscious effort to not be so clicky uh, but there were still clicks um, but we tried, like we forced uh, people to sit in separate cars and to really talk I guess um, we uh, I, I, at least when I was in charge of this whole uh, fair, what was it called? ah shit uh, we had this fair where I was uh, in charge of helping people teach, teaching them Bollywood dance and we were like going to compete and we were going to show them and that sort of thing and helping oh, them, you know, the cultural fair, the dance. something like that, cultural fair. Yes. Culture fair. Yes. Okay. And um, it taught them, you know, that sort of thing. And I tried to include everyone. I tried to always talk to everyone, not just like one click. I hated that. i really hated that because I saw that in high school and I, I felt not just bad personally i felt bad for the people who felt left out because and i knew there were people and you can clearly tell who like some of those people are and i would just go around talking to as many people you know and trying to avoid that from happening uh especially when i was officer because that was just i don't know it's just dumb i think but um I think naturally it kind of does happen a little bit because people. I think the real root reason is that most people, they click well with some people and they don't click well with others. And then at the same time, I think some people are just too afraid to uh, talk to anyone outside their click, you know, because it's leaving the comfort zone, I guess. The, the tribal genes take uh, to kick in, yeah. So, yeah. I think Honest Ambassadors, it really
0: needed to happen because uh, a lot of people really uh they developed through that phase or through those years, yeah, because it was a somewhat of a uh, sanctuary for that demographic of students. A lot of them were young, a lot of them had the yeah. same goal of transferring, and a lot of them had a a uh, similar uh, setback and that was being rejected from their dream university, right? Yeah. So we all had that. No one said it, but we all had that same uh, suffering internally. Yeah, pretty much. So when it comes to that uh, environment, I think they felt the most welcome. And at the same time, they really needed to be part of that chaotic social dynamic. Right. Mm -hmm. So being part of the cliques and there was like dating here and there and there was like drama. uh, Mm -hmm. They needed that in their lives because they wanted to get their mind off of how they're rejected and how, you know, life sucks and they're still living at home with their parents and Mm. how, um, you know, how stressful classes are, things like that. I think they really needed that
1: kind of dynamic. Yeah. I never Uh, cared too much about the whole living at home thing, Uh, but I could see how a lot of people would because all their friends are off, you know, uh partying yeah. away freshman year of college so but they're,
0: they're stuck at here yeah they're stuck at home through community yeah. college um yeah. ironically i party the most during that year you party the most yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we made our own fun here at the community college um yeah it's inter- yeah I and mean, you, you make some uh lifelong uh friendships uh like you and i and yeah i'm pretty sure there are some other people uh from the from the club who are still friends
1: yeah, oh yeah, yeah. lifelong friends. Yeah,
0: yeah, it definitely is that good. Uh, starting of a uh, certain friendships, I mm-hmm. was gonna go with this. Nowadays, I'll never be in that kind of dynamic again. <laughs> oh <No>, really? <laughs> Two or three good friends are, are are enough for me, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I guess it's just how I am. I mean, we can definitely yeah. differ between us where you're much more of a social individual than I am. Mm. But I think it's just our upbringing, to be honest, because I think your upbringing mm. uh, had a sense of pressure on you throughout high school and throughout college, where you had to be—I don't say had to be—but you you saw opportunity in being social in respect to you know uh, gaining social power and yeah
1: a hundred percent yeah having
0: friendships here and there that would help you out and you know Mm -hmm. you were very much in the loop uh yeah i think my upbringing is very different because uh going to the high school i went to a lot of the the social dynamic wasn't really necessary because we were very uh not like really strict but it, it was a, uh, a much more disciplined type of environment. Okay. So we had, a, we had uniforms and we, we had uh, I think we had, do we have weekly masses? No, we had monthly masses. So we were very oh, involved with a lot of grown-ups, and okay. they, they definitely had an impact in our lives. So there were the priests that were on campus or on, on the school grounds. They lived mm. on campus, They lived on the school grounds. Um, so there was those individuals, there was the tech teachers, there were the other teachers, um, a lot of adult presence in that right. time. Uh, so I think that contributes to my maturity <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. And, uh, it didn't work for everybody. I know some high school guys who kind of went their own way and who are kind of in a bad place now, but right. you know. Everyone has their own experience. Everyone has their own flaws, and everyone has their own strengths. So, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely. We've gone on no, for a while.
0: Let's see here. We've gone on for about two hours, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Good to know. Wasn't really much of a report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I was gonna catch say up? because yeah, we haven't made an episode for a week, so yeah. That's the idea there. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, any last-minute uh, thoughts?
1: No, not really. That was a good conversation. I think there were a lot of good points that we hit, just, just general thoughts that people should think about. Yeah, good to know.
0: Honestly, we could add these kind of chats um, every episode, but we kind of want to mm-hmm. constrict it to a certain topic of ideas and stay relevant. Mm-hmm. So we talk about news and the report. And the Academy episodes, Uh, we'll talk about something very educational. Uh, By the way, for the educational, for the Odyssey Academy, next time, what are we going to talk about?
1: (laughs) I have no idea. Uh, We should definitely consider some ideas and then we'll figure it out. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, as of right now, I think we can call it an episode. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening. Kind of a long podcast. Yeah.
1: Take care.